welcome to Pearson Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Rolando on Warren episode 340, an update episode. Well, 340 episodes in, man. Holy We're still smoke. making them. We're still making them. And, and our apologies. A lot of you are asking, well, what happened to Monday Minisode? Things just got crazy. I was traveling in the sickness in the family. Mike's, you know, trying to figure things out. And so usually I even myself want to record, but it just didn't happen. So thank you guys for still sticking with us and, and coming here for the Longer Form podcast. Yeah. So today we got our update episode. Uh, I, I think pretty soon we're going to be back into both of us in the studio, uh, which is which <laughs> I be good. So. so I know I it's been so. a little bit funky. Um, you know, we're, we're still kind of working out kinks. Every time we've done remote so far over the last couple of weeks, it's been a different setup. I've been in a room with using my phone. And then I was in the kitchen using a better microphone and camera. Now I'm somewhere else and I'm just using my, my laptop webcam and uh, I don't have my microphone. I'm using a different like lavalier mic. So anyways, we're trying to figure this all out, like trying to be flexible because our our goal of Pure Hustle Podcast is to make sure that we've got content that we're producing so that way we can we can keep this going. Right? We've got such a great community of listeners, of uh, the people who are, are part of the Pure Hustle family. And so we want to make sure we're making content. Uh, and we've gone through stages and phases like this since our we've started where we've had to move to different locations. You know, it'd be hilarious is if people thought you're like on the run and that's why we can't do a podcast together because you're always like in different locations. Yeah. But that's not the truth. That's not what's happening. But we yeah, could so make a great storyline about that where yeah. Yeah, Mike no, exactly. is escaping so, something. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the run. Uh, no, but yeah, just lots of stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be back in the studio together, hopefully before too long. And then um, on top of that, uh, you know, uh, when we do end up eventually going remote, when we, if that ends up being what we do, uh, we're going to make it, we're going to make it right. Like it's going to look good. It's going to look a lot better than, uh, this current setup. So again, thank you all for your patience, uh, with this, uh, as we keep content coming out there. So yeah, today's an update episode. Uh, so Londo, what's going on with you? What's new? Oh, so much, so much. Uh, so I'm going to break this down into, you know, some of it I'm going to share in the random stories. Uh, but it's interesting right now. And it's interesting because it's supposed to be garage sale season, but it's terrible. Mm. And I'm not sure why. You know, I was talking to uh, another reseller who who he's been reselling longer than I have. And we, we you know, met up at a garage sale and, and he was telling me how, you know, it's, he was asking me, like, how you been doing the last few weeks? And I'm like, ah, I haven't really been picking up a lot. He's like, I haven't been picking up much. This is the lowest it's ever been in probably 10 years as far as, you know, garage sales and what people are willing to sell. And, and he had stated how, you know, he thought a lot of people would be willing to sell more items, but that's just not happening right now. And so I'm not really sure. Maybe it's because I, I don't know, maybe because of the weather here in, in San Diego, it was raining for like over a month. Maybe it's because people are just holding out for more money. Maybe there's more people selling online instead of going in garage sales. I mean, that would be a turn of events where people are like, Hey, instead of just, you know, selling it fast, I could sell it for more and I could go online, which is a very real possibility. So that's been interesting. Luckily I've had a bunch of local deals uh, that have worked out. I, I have a guy that constantly they're cleaning out like their house before they move out to the Midwest. And so he's calling me with a bunch of vintage toys. He's like, what do you think about this? And, uh, you know, I'll sell these to you. And I'm like, all right, what was crazy too was 
he had family coming over from the Midwest and he told his family about me and that I buy stuff. So they brought over their vintage toys. See, so you never know, <laughs> you know, what you're opening up by dropping that business card, by sharing that you're a reseller. And so that's worked out. I actually have a ton of inventory still that I need to source. So even though uh, garage sales have been terrible, uh, the local deals have definitely picked up. And I've always said, if you're going to go full time, you can't go full time on garage sales. Like that is the ultimate grind. Uh, you're playing, you know, you're playing a big risk. But if you're making sure that you're setting up local deals, that you're having big hauls every week during the week, uh, you I say that garage sales should be the icing on the cake. Like that is your best deal. And so you make sure that you have a bunch of other stuff to sell and then you do that. Now, the other thing. And I mentioned this uh, two podcasts ago. I, I have not stopped my 50% off sale on my store. And it's been incredible. It's been great. I've, I'm actually up 105% in sales from the last 31 days. So I'm back to normal. Actually, not even normal. I'm actually better than normal. I would say I'm a quarter up from normal. Uh, yes. Am I having to pack a lot more items? Yeah. That, that's the thing. So I've been, you know, I've been good on like, I could sell like 10 to 20 a day and I'm golden. And now I'm selling, you know, like 30. Right. And, and this last week I took a hit because I, I traveled. And so my store was on vacation. So, you know, you still get those sales, but it takes a while for your store to recover after that too. And so, but I mean, I had some great sales. I, I sold a, a master's jacket during the master's, that one that I've been trying to sell for a long time. Uh, I, at first I sold it for 800 bucks. This time I sold it for 500. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just check out our, our Instagram. I'll post it on there. And this time the guy loved it, was all about it. Fits. Can't wait. To, he can't wait to wear it. Grateful. So I, I'm guessing it's not going to be returned like last time. Uh, because here's the thing. When you sell big money items, there's also the risk of big money returns. And these last three months, months, I've had a lot of good big money sales, you know, at least 200 to 300, 500, 600, multiples of them. And I've only had one item, one, just one. Uh, and it wasn't even a return. I thought I sold a pair of Shell Cordovan shoes. The, the guy was like, Hey, these aren't Shell Cordovan, but I spent about 70 bucks on Shell Cordovan cleaning materials. If you could just refund me that 70, we're, go we're good. And I just refunded them 70. Now, could he have been scamming me? Possible, but I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather go down that route because usually when, when people buy high dollar items, they're not trying to scam you. They're usually people that know what they're buying or they, they have the money to buy. And so they're not going to try to scam. The only time I said, I've said this multiple times, and people may get mad at me. The people that try to get the best deals and are almost scammers are resellers. They'll lowball you like crazy, and which is fine. It's just business. But even with this 50% off sale, I've had all kinds of, I'll oh, have 50%. And then people send me lowball offers of 50% off of that 50%. Now, I have a theory here. Well, I had somebody send me a theory and I want to hear your thoughts on this. So a good friend of mine called me today. He's like, Hey, I was listening to the podcast, Rolando. And, and I thought, what about if you did 25% off with free shipping? Because when I look at stuff to buy on eBay, well, if somebody's charging shipping, I want to even give them a second look. Like I'll, on the, on the left hand, I'll just put free shipping and I don't even look at anybody that charges shipping. And I thought that's interesting, right? Because if I sold stuff at 25% off with free shipping, I'd have to build in the shipping into the price of the item. So I don't know if it's exactly the same as 50% off. 
you know, it sounds to me like it would balance out. Right now, I'm not going to change what I'm doing because it's working, uh, but it's been interesting. So, oh, as I said, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but, you know, I don't know, maybe in a month I'll change things up. I just don't know if, if the profit margins will be the same, but this may be a thing that I just hold on to until the economy rebounds. The scary thing about that, that could be seven years. Right. That could be who knows. Right. Um, you know, right now there's there's just everyone's sharing all kinds of, hey, it's going to be, you know, we're going to end up all on, on some crazy economic times in the next few months. And then there's other people saying, hey, inflation's going to be back down. Things are going to rebound. And, and so I don't know. All I know is I need to make sales. I need to pay bills. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And it's working for me. How are things for you, man? Yeah, uh, pretty good, pretty good. So, um, okay, so big news. This is probably wasn't the episode exactly I wanted to drop it on, and and uh, there's like, still a lot going on. There's still a lot of things behind the scenes here, but so I've been talking about potentially a move for a while now, and um, so as a teacher, it's really tough because uh, you you got to kind of plan and work out. Like, if you're looking for a new job, you got a short window that you can do that. You know how it kind of works because you, you're a contracted employee for a certain amount of time. And then you got to look for a new job in the window that they're looking for new employees. And you factor in a move on top of that. Like it's really tough because you've got to have a place to go. And then but are they going to hire you if you're not really like from that area? So it's been like a balancing game. So my wife and I decided the way we were going to do it uh, is we were going to buy a house in the town we wanted to move to in Texas. And we bought the house as an investment property. So it's been a huge process. We've had to go through so much. Anybody who's bought a house knows how crazy it is. Buying an investment property is even worse. And we're not already first-time homebuyers. So like normally a first-time homebuyer, there's all kinds of benefits they give you. There's, it's easier to get a loan, you get a better interest rate, all of that. We bought it as an investment property. And we kind of had to do it that way because we had, I don't have secured employment where I'm moving yet. So it's kind of like a risk. But as a hustler, I'm thinking, okay, what's the worst case that's going to happen? We buy a house, we buy a decent house at a decent price range in the area we want to ultimately end up, buy it as an investment property. And if worst case scenario, I'm unable to uh, secure employment over the summer before I would move, then I we could just rent out the house, right? Maybe we eat a little bit of the money, uh, but it should the rent should cover mortgage. If there's repairs and stuff, we, we would have to eat that. But at least we're getting equity, right? So, But we have a place to move when we need to, or if, if we're able to. Uh, and so we purchased the house just a few weeks ago, um, finished up that whole process. And man, that was, it was a crazy process for sure. And then now um, it looks like I've probably secured employment there uh, pretty much the same day that I got the house. Things kind of worked out with uh, talking to a school nice. district there. And, and so um, it, it does look like for sure. I mean, it's not a hundred percent yet because until you know how it is until you have a contract in your hand, you've actually signed something, you know, words are good, but, uh, until you have the contract, but it looks like everything's moving in the right direction. And so, um, you know, one of the things we've, we've been kind of alluding to this move that I, I would be making potentially moving to Texas or just moving out of the state, uh, for a while now in our podcasts. Uh, and so it's not, shouldn't come as any like shock to any of our listeners, uh, however, we do want to reiterate and make sure that people know like the, the podcast is going to keep going and yes, what you're definitely. seeing right now with the way we're doing it, uh, like virtually it's going to be better than this. Like I'm already been in the process of kind of researching, making sure that when we are doing our, uh, we're doing our podcast virtually that it's going to be solid. The quality is going to be the same as PS podcast quality has always been. Uh, it's not going to be kind of a little bit lower like it is now. We're going to make sure everything is good and we're going to keep our content. We're going to keep our, you know, Monday minis. We're going to keep our, 
um, our stuff going with our Wednesday episodes. And then hopefully, you know, maybe even get Saturdays going again, especially because we're in different locations. So we've got different mm-hmm. things to offer. Um, I'm going to be right near a bins. So I might be doing some bins videos. And so Pure Hustle podcast is going to keep going. It's going to be stronger than ever, but, uh, that's a big thing, right? Like, so that's big, been a big part of my, uh, my kind of reselling, even like reselling wise, like going to garage sales, doing that type of stuff has been a little bit challenging. And, and I've talked a lot about trying to sell through inventory, not trying to hold on to too much because I don't want to move too much. Uh, so again, selling inventory. Um, and one of the big things that I did recently, so, um, I've talked about buying a couple of enclosed trailers as, um, for reselling purposes. And then I bought a bigger one for, uh, you know, storage and potentially moving stuff when I was going to move out of state. So I have a small trailer, like a four by six, like, so it's pretty small enclosed trailer, which is perfect for reselling. My wife and I have already done a couple of road trips with it where we hook it up to the car. We go to wherever we're driving, stop at thrift stores along the way and fill it up. It's great. And it's small enough that our cars can, can tow it. Well, we also bought uh, a bigger one that I got a killer deal on, uh, not that much bigger, but it's a five by 10. Um, and we had totally stuffed it with pretty much all of our house stuff. So we've been kind of uh, living with, you know, in-laws living in, you know, different situations, trying to kind of get us till we can make our move. So all of our stuff has been in this trailer as like storage. So I paid $1,400 for the trailer. And for over a year now, almost like going on a year and a half, it's been storage for me, which is pretty good because, you know, prices in San Diego paying for storage on a, you know, oh, 10 by 10. Right yeah, you're going to be paying four, three, $400, I'm sure. So uh, it, it actually, we saved a ton of money just having it, nothing at storage. Uh, and then my plan was to, to use it to drive it out maybe a couple times to Texas and use that as part of our move instead of renting a U-Haul. Well, come to find out, uh, we, we had it way too heavy. My car is not able to tow that much weight. We tried to move it a little ways and it moved. But, uh, I, think, I think I would have destroyed my transmission. Uh, so I'm not a car guy, so I don't know enough about those things. And I'm like, oh, my car should be able to tow like 3,500, like or 5,000, like I should be able to tow this thing. Well, there's more to it than just the total number you can Mm. tow. So um, I ended up selling the trailer and uh, ended up making like $800 uh, on the trailer. So I had it as storage for over a year and a half and then made money on it. So um, that was pretty cool. And then I'll kind of lead that right into my random story since we always do random stories. I've seen similar scams to this, but it's been a while since I've seen this one. So it came to the front of my mind and I wanted to bring it up to our sellers. So anytime you sell something big on local, so OfferUp, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, uh, usually if it's small things you're selling, you don't get as many scammers. Occasionally you can get some scammers, but the bigger items, the pricier items, the more likely, whether you're buying or selling, that you're going to run into a scam. Uh, So I... I've seen scams where people get scammed that are trying to buy something like a Nintendo Switch off of Facebook Marketplace and they try and buy it online. Like, don't do those things. You're, you're, it's probably going to be a scam. But here's a scam that some people might not be aware of. So uh, I started getting, as soon as I put up that trailer as a sell, I'm trying to sell it on OfferUp Facebook Marketplace. I'm getting quite a bit of interest on it right away. Of course, people come in lowballing. A couple of people come in a little bit under. You're trying to deal with like when people can come and see it. But I got one that was interesting. So it wasn't a lowball offer. Uh, It was on Facebook Marketplace. The person's uh, uh, profile was private, which is kind of a red flag, but not really because I think my my profile is private. And the person was like, how do you want to be paid? Venmo or cash? And I'm like, okay, that's that's not a terrible question. Like that's a decent like payment method. I'm like, I'll take either, you know? And they said, okay, I'll pay cash. And then they said, uh, the next part was, um, will you mind... 
if I send you a six digit code and then I'll call you and get the number from you to verify that like you're a real person and that this isn't a That's scam. crazy, dude. Right away, I would have been like, this well, is scam yeah, I mean, right yeah, I off the bat. Yeah, I mean, special I knew six digit code. All right, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, those types of things should be red flags to people. If you see something that's just that off, that weird, but people might be wondering why, like what, what is the deal with the six digit uh, code scam? Okay. So the way the six digit code scam works or a, a, a scam like that is, for instance, if I wanted to start maybe a new Instagram profile, I wanted to open up a new something on Google, a Google account. I, wanted, I was trying to create something like that. A lot of times you have to verify a phone number. And you have to show that you have like an actual phone number that can be verified. That way you can get the account. Well, the way this scam works is they use your phone number as the phone number to verify. They have that code sent to you. And then they call you and they get the code. So let's say, you know, Google or whatever, which I mean, I can't believe people would fall. For, I mean, I'm sure some people do, but you're going to get like, here's your six digit code from Google, blah, blah, blah. And they might even tell you like, I'm going to send this through Google. That way it's verified, you know, uh, whatever. So then you give them that code. The code was 663247. They put it in and now they can create whatever account they're trying to create, uh, whatever it is. And they're using your phone number as the verified phone number. So it's not a money scam. They're not necessarily trying to get money out of you. But what they're doing is they're being able to, they're, they're able to open up an account of some form that needs phone verification, but they're using your phone number as the verification on that. So uh, it's obviously not a good thing, uh, but just for something for our listeners to be thinking about random story um, and share in the comments below, what are some, uh, what are some common scams you've run into maybe local or online uh, where people have either tried to trick you or, uh, or you've just kind of been like, this seems a little fishy. I'm not sure about it. Yeah. I just, I always, I know there, there are evil people in this world. I understand that, but still like, there's always another scam. There's always somebody trying to destroy somebody else's life because that, you know, who knows what kind of accounts are opening with that, right? I mean, if you have social media, sometimes people use their phone number for social media accounts. We don't. <laughs> Some people use, uh, you know, for a phone number, like to be able to log into a bank account, whatever it may be. So that's kind of crazy. Now, I want, I had a question I wanted to ask you though was, when you're talking about moving, do you feel like you're going to have a fresh start in reselling? Like maybe, you know, you, you have a new way to inventory. You have now the ability, you know what to source better. So you, you maybe could do away with your stuff and like start afresh. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Where, how are you, where are you landing with all that? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd want to start completely fresh. Um, I want to take, I mean, obviously I'm going to go through my inventory stuff that were complete <clears throat> bad buys. I'm going to take to a swap meet. I definitely think there's benefit of of starting fresh. I think the thing is, the reality is like just kind of priced out of of California. Not to try and like give like the whoa, what was me story, but I'm going to connect this to reselling in the sense of um, if I were to stay here, I mean, I'm actually going to take a pay cut. And this is one of the things, like as a as a hustler, you know, you're always thinking about finances in a lot of different ways. And I know I'm going to end up taking a pay cut as a teacher in Texas, and I'm making now, and so that's hard. Um, knowing that I'm actually kind of losing money in this this transaction. Okay, so why is it a good transaction? Well, part of it is if I were to stay here, the amount I'm going to pay for rent because um, I can't I can't afford a house right now in California. Um, a just a small like two bedroom one bath condo is going for like four or five hundred thousand dollars here in, in San Diego, uh, and so it's just it's it's pretty rough. So if I were to rent something that had a garage where I could resell out of, because that's really what I would need. Like I need I need a garage space. I need a shed. I need something where I can do some reselling out of. Um, the amount of extra I'm going to be paying every month to have the space to resell would be outlandish. Now, of course, I could do a, a 
a storage unit. We've had episodes where we talked about, is it time to get a storage unit? But if you're doing 100% of your reselling out of a storage unit, and the storage unit is miles away from your home, and you're paying three to $400 a month on it, that just means like you're working that much harder away from home, which a lot of the benefits of reselling is the fact that you can your inventory is close. You can work whenever you want to work. Uh, mm-hmm. And so part of the move is like, okay, do I see it, it, it going to give me a fresh start in reselling? I really think it, it will in the sense of for the last couple of years, my inventory has been kind of all over the place. Like, you know, before in our old studio, I had my inventory there, which was fine. Uh, then I moved it. We, I set up a shed, which most of my inventory is in the shed, but the shed was still, even I, my parent, my in-laws had a, a big piece of property and it was like a, a, a trek. Like I had to like drive up like a, because of the only place they could build it. It was like a, a five to six minute thing just to get to the shed, another five to six minutes to get back to where the house was. Uh, so it's not the end of the world, but anytime something sells or if it's like, oh, I need to go do some listings. Well, it's going to take me 15 minutes total to get there and then to get back. Not I'm talking about all the other stuff I have to do. So I think having all of my inventory in one place, uh, being able to kind of manage it that way, and also having something like the bins nearby, which is, is something I've never really gotten to benefit from. So there's going to be there's going to be downsides, right? Like there's going to be fewer garage sales, there's going to be fewer estate sales, there's going to be fewer uh, options on local. Uh, but I think some thrift stores will be cheaper. I think I'm going to have the bins. I'm going to have everything in one location. There's never, there's almost never like a trade off you can make in life where it's like I'm exchanging something that's a hundred percent awful to something that's a hundred percent perfect. Usually, you're, it's a give and take, right? Like even running your fifty percent sale, you're 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 starting to make more money, but there are downsides to that, right? Like you're you're having to sell a whole lot more items. Your inventory is being depleted. You're not making quite as much as you could, but the benefit is, hey, you're making enough that you need to survive. So there's whenever you make some kind of a change, and that's something just to think about uh, as a reseller and a, and a hustler in general is there's always going to be a trade off. Um, you just have to make sure that at the end of the day, the total pros outweigh the cons that you're you're facing. And it's interesting you say that about, you know, how things are different in a new location. And so that was going to be my and that's going to be my random story. But before we get there, I want to talk about my reseller, Genie. It's almost a deadline for taxes. And a lot of you don't have the ability like Orlando to wait until October because we had floods, I guess, here in California. Uh, but if you haven't had a chance yet uh, to do your taxing, you're freaking out. Like, how do I organize how to get set up? There's a great tool. It's not the end, though, but it will definitely get you there. So go to my reseller, Genie. Go to the link below and use our code uh, Pure Hustle, all in caps, and it's going to get you 15% off the first month. Uh, but it's definitely going to help you. It's going to import everything from last year, from eBay, the shipping, the fees, uh, what you sold for, and all that. And then you're going to be able to process the inventory, so you can see, you know, how much you caught, co- how much you paid for your cost of goods, and and your losses, and all those good things that you need for taxes. So if you haven't yet. Get yourself set up for my reseller genie. Go to link below and use our code uh, Pure Hustle, all in caps. Get fifteen percent off that first month, and it's definitely going to help you. Now, when I was traveling, so I was I was in uh, Hillsdale, Michigan, and I was on the west side of uh, Wisconsin, no, east side of Wisconsin. And before I left, I was trying to set up some local deals. Cause I'm like, hey, you know, maybe there's not a lot of people out there. So here's what I realized. For example, here in San Diego, when I look up, let's say a category, I don't know, video games. I look at the category of video games on Craigslist. How, how many in general do you think? How many ads are up? Might just throw out a number. Uh, in San Diego on, on yeah. video games? Yeah. I don't know, probably like 6,000. Okay, okay, okay. So it's not that much, but it's like a thousand, okay? okay? It's like a thousand. That was my second guess, thousand. 
Okay, okay, there you go. And in these two places, it was like 30. Right? And then I went to clothing, right? And in San Diego, clothing is about like 2K. There's like 2,000 Craigslist uh, listings. In these areas that I was going around, it was about 50. And I was like, wow. Like, this is wild because local deals must be rough. Like, if there's there's a bunch of resellers in the area and they have their safe search on, you know, offer up and on Facebook Marketplace, like, it must, you must, you need to be fast. Uh, I know in San Diego, I complain a lot about how it, it's really hard to get anything, but there's so much that I can go on a random day and I can just start looking and I will find something to buy. I've said this before. If I wanted to buy 24 hours a day in San Diego, I could buy 24 hours a day in San Diego. Like I wouldn't have a problem, whether it be I go to thrift stores, whether it be I go local deals, uh, you know, whatever it may be, I could, I could go 24 hours a day. And if force came to worse, I could just source off of eBay. And then I went to the thrift stores and this is what I've learned lately. With thrift stores, the price of thrift stores are going up everywhere. It doesn't matter the town. It doesn't matter the population. Uh, so, for example, when I was in Michigan, I found a pair of Red Wing boots and they were trying to sell it for $50. And yeah, I could have probably sold it for maybe close to 100 but 50 bucks. And this wasn't even like a store that shall not be named. It was just a normal, you know, uh, small mom and pop thrift store. And their shirts were like $8 a piece. And it was wild. I went to parts of Illinois. I thought I was going to score big in Illinois. Sure enough, there wasn't, there wasn't much. Now, I think part of what you're, you're going to experience outside of the bins is that when you're out there, you're going to eventually find ways to source. You're going to find what is the, how the go-to, where should you source? But honestly, I, I believe it's going to take time. Right. Even here, the one of the reasons I won't move outside of the fact that I love California, despite all the craziness, is that I have it good. Like I, I know where to source. I, I know where my post offices are. I have relationships with, uh, you know, people in, in reselling in at the post office, uh, at the UPS store, at the FedEx store. Like I have it good. You know, UPS store, when I show up 10 minutes early in the morning, they'll open up for me and they'll take my packages. Right. And so I develop all these relationships with people. Uh, and so that I think is going to be something that you're going to have to do when you're out there. But I, I will say, I, I walked away from those two states. I, I, I always fly Southwest because they give you two free, uh, luggage per person. And so my son were, and my son and I were out there and it only it was going to take one luggage a piece. And I had two extra ones to fill up. And in comparison to years before where I, I would go source the Midwest, I just didn't have much to take back. Now there were some items that I could have made good money on. I just didn't want them to get destroyed <laughs> uh, on the airplane, but uh, it was definitely, it was, it was interesting. It made me thankful uh, for, you know, all the opportunities I have here in San Diego, even though I know I do complain a bit here and there. So that, that is my random story. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm sad. I didn't, I didn't pick up much. So that's where we're at now. I will say it was the refreshing part, right? What was getting back and, you know, you have all those sales, but then I was able to go garage sales the next day and I kind of knew my route and I knew where I was going. And so it was nice to be back to, to normal, right? Back to, okay, I know where to go. I know where to find stuff. This is a lot easier than in the Midwest, even though everybody on the, there's people on the discord that were from the Midwest that had given me places to look at. Even then, maybe I didn't go at the right time of day. You know, maybe I went to the wrong store. I don't know what it was, but I just couldn't find much.
So that was my experience. All right. So we have some uh, reseller topics to discuss. A lot of interesting things here. Yeah, let me, uh, let me get that, that going real quick. All right. Sound effects. Now. <laughs> the world oh of reselling continues to change. We are going to bring like, you the are, most are we doing, are we information. Are we doing on this? No, no way. All right. Wow, wow, that was, Orlando. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Did you hear that? It, it, like it was choppy. The whole the whole music. No, nah, it's fine. Don't worry. It's good. All right. Okay. Okay. All it's right. It's fine on my so, side. My side recorded it. All right. There we go. <laughs> so the first one I thought was interesting. Um, I guess uh, eBay has a head of AI, head of artificial intelligence, and was talking about the future of online commerce. And this brought up a lot of questions for me. So I'll just read a little bit here uh, from the story. Uh, Artificial intelligence continues to reshape interactive ways uh, to heighten the online shopping experience. Uh, Now new technological advances will allow online shopping to mirror the experiences in physical stores and eBay. A chief AI officer, uh, Nitsan Mikhail Bobrov, is excited to talk about what the future holds for retail. So this is what they said. Uh, many companies are looking for ways to use generative AI to help with consumer shopping, uh, selecting products, uh, and purchasing. It can be a game changer for online commerce. Shopping online can be very transactional and not a natural flow like shopping in a store might have. Exploratory shopping in a physical store may include looking at visual displays and how merchandise is presented often leads to a journey that is unplanned and full of unexpected discoveries. Generative AI... Uh, can replicate this type of shopping online where the five senses play more of a role in the experience. Generative AI seamlessly connects a thread between buyer and sellers depending on the intent and would mimic much more how a physical store associate would navigate a sharper interaction. And I thought, I thought that was really interesting. This is from Forbes. Just trying to find the article. Uh, the article is eBay head of AI talks about the future of online. And the reason I found this fascinating is that they were talking about how basically AI is going to make when people go to your eBay store, it's going to be like they're in a store, which I thought was interesting. And, and when, when I was thinking about that, so I know some of you aren't tracking, uh, when I was thinking about that, what they were meaning was, is that, you know, how you walk into, let's say, I don't know, a Sears or you walk into, you know, some kind of store, right? Best Buy, whatever it is. And there's products all around, right? And you go to that product, you find it. And it seemed to me that they were kind of pushing more of that model where they don't want people going to a store to just buy what they want. They want to present other options uh, for buyers from that store. So it got me thinking about where eBay has been heading the last two years. eBay has been very big about building your eBay store brand. They've been very big about building your eBay store. Right, having a storefront. They actually now on listings, they show how many reviews you have. If you go to the store, it shows how many items you sold. It helps definitely if you have, you know, some items that are featured. It definitely helps if you have categories. That's the one thing I, I realized after this is my categories are all over the place because when I first started my eBay store, I would just make up random categories. I had one that was like novelty shirts. What does that mean? Right. So I change one to vintage t-shirts and then I change another one, uh, to vintage flannels and I change another one to, 
you know, vintage video games. And then I have video games. And then under that, I would have subcategories of Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox. So I, my encouragement to a lot of uh, to everyone here listening is I don't know how long this is going to take. But as eBay is pushing more, this idea of having a store, not just having a bunch of items and people are just, you know, are finding what they want. Now they're trying to direct people to storefronts uh, is to make sure your storefront is in order. Uh, and one example I, I mean, give I'll you be honest. Is, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't know how much this is going to impact uh, sellers like us and a lot of our listeners that kind of have more of a, uh, an everything store, or garage sale type store. I think a, a system like this would really help because I think there are certain things that I buy, right? Like if, if I'm buying, uh, you know, a certain types of books, uh, if I'm buying, you know, a certain type of electronic or I'm, like Pokemon cards, Magic the Gathering cards, certain games, there are certain stores that are built like that is all they do. And they're like, they're selling millions of dollars of product mm-hmm. a year. They have a storefront. They're specialized in that, right? So it makes sense that as that somebody goes in that they're going to have a little bit they could set up a system that would be a little bit more efficient for that. Um, I don't think for the average person, like, I mean, I get like, okay, eBay's pushing some of these things. We want it to look like a certain way. We want to follow the, the, the rules of their sandbox. If they want, if they want the categories, they want the details. We need to add them because I still think it's going to help in the algorithm and pushing our stuff. But I think unless you're that specialized, you're like, Hey, I've got a big store that sells just music equipment. People know they can come to me. I do music equipment repair. I do. I have. I have all the stuff on banjos, and I have this. And, I, and people come to my store to buy those things. Now you might have repeat buyers. You've talked about that. You've got. You've had a lot of uh, Harley stuff. You've had a lot of Rain Spooner uh, Hawaiian shirts. You've had a lot of Hot Wheels. So you're going to get some collector rebuyers. But you're talking like a handful of people coming to your store because you've got their size or you've got their item. And you're not selling millions of dollars of Hot Wheels a year to have that kind of a storefront or, or collectible toys. So I, I just don't think for the average person, like the whole idea of a storefront is going to be as important if it's like, yeah, I have shoes, but it's like size 12 and size eight and size nine of different styles, men and women, and some tennis shoes and some work shoes and some boots. Like that's not the kind of store that like somebody who's going to go into like, Hey, I'm in the, the, the market to buy shoes. This store has got, tens of thousands of shoes that I can buy from and it's set up a certain way with the artificial intelligence has helped create this storefront. So I just don't know how much this is going to affect uh, sellers like us. Yeah, I, I'll counter that a little bit though, because I, I would say since beginning of 2023, I've had a lot of buyers, they'll buy one item and then they'll say, hey, I noticed that you have more. And so they'll go to the category and they'll start searching through and they'll say, hey, you know, I want to buy this one. I want to buy this one. And then I've had a questions like, Hey, I didn't see any more. Do you happen to have more of these? And sure enough, I had more of a, let's say a certain shirt. Uh, and the problem was my category was off. So whether they go into this category or not, I do into this style of store. I do think it's worth it, especially if you're brand new, start your store off clean, right? Right. It's a lot easier to start off brand new and fresh than to have to backtrack and fix everything. Right. And and same same principle goes with inventory, right? You we can you can play fast and loose with inventory. If you're starting off with reselling, you might go, Hey, I don't ever plan on having a store more than a hundred items. Next thing you know, you have two hundred items, you didn't organize it, and now you're wasting a bunch of time trying to find things. And I think the same is true now. If eBay is pushing these storefronts, you you might say, Hey, I may not be one of those stores, I may not specialize in a certain field. 
but over time you may, and over time you may even get a haul. And so it definitely benefits you to have these categories. I know for me, I've had a lot of major sales in the last three months. And again, I'm not a major store. I only have, you know, well, I did have close to 4,000. Now I'm close to 3,500 items. Uh, and I've had people buy, you know, eight shirts at a time. I've had people buy, you know, six toys at a time. I've had, you know, all kinds of different things. And the categories definitely did help. Now, do I think it's far-fetched that they're going to have a physical, like, uh, AI-looking physical store? Yeah, I, I do. But who knows? I mean, you know, on the same token, eBay's also pushed that they're going to have live auctions. And actually, this last week, Poshmark beat them to it. Uh, Poshmark's now having live auctions for all sellers. Uh, but eBay, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, still hasn't happened. So there is that side to it. So I, I get what you're saying. All right. Hey, the other thing that came out this uh, last week was a ThreadUp report. So the ThreadUp report is basically this resale report that they end up releasing every year. And they look at the ongoing trends in the secondhand market as far as clothing goes. And, you know, as always, I'm always interested in what they have to say. Uh, you know, the bright spot always is that reselling seems to expand even more and more. Their first uh, chart here said that global secondhand market set to nearly double by 2027, reaching $350 billion. All right. The global secondhand apparel market expects to grow three times faster on average than the global apparel market overall. So, you know, we I know we have listeners in Australia. We have listeners in the UK. We have uh, listeners uh, in, in parts of Asia. We have listeners in parts of Africa, too, uh, all over the world. And I would say, you know, I think there's plenty of space to make money. I think the pie is huge. I know a lot of people talk about the market is saturated. I, I'm a big believer that, yes, it may be saturated, but if you can find those items that people are looking for that are high in demand, that are hard to find, you're going to do very well, right? If you're just trying to get fast fashion, you're going to be working like crazy. If you're trying to get mall brands, you're going to be working like crazy. Right. To me, it's all about the vintage. It's all about the value brands. Uh, for example, this other stat that they came, they came out with, uh, when they're looking at what people are looking for as far as, you know, buying is that they're looking for obviously deals, right? But they're looking at the value of the item. Is, is the item something that, you know, they can wear more than once? Is it something that they're not just going to toss out? Is it not, is it something that they're just not going to throw away? Is it going to be worth it for them? to spend that money, right? And so that's why certain brands, you know, like Pendleton always do well, Chocorda Van Shoes do well, uh, certain kinds of, you know, jackets do well. And it's because people are looking for the older, maybe the made in the USA, maybe those items that provide value. Uh, another stat here that I thought was interesting of, 75% uh, of consumers have shopped or are open to secondhand apparel. Okay, and that's up from 52% the year before. That's a 23% jump. That's pretty big in one year. And 83% of Gen Z have shopped and are open to shopping, shopping secondhand clothing. So to me, yes, the field may get even more crowded, but it may balance out with more buyers. What are your thoughts on these uh, initial uh, <laughs> stats here I'm sharing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all good in a sense. It's also maybe indication, again, things are rough because people are, are mm, more willing yeah, to go secondhand. Okay. So there's, there's, a, there's positives and negatives there. And then again, statistics are, it, 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 they can show so many things, you know, only time is going to tell what this actually means for us because it, it's, it's like a pie, right? Like how much that pie is secondhand market is things like eBay that we're on or things like thrift stores versus 
you know, big companies like we've talked about doing their own, you know, secondhand stuff where you can buy, uh, which is, again, it's not a bad thing. It's helpful for the market. But if it's, if it's something like uh, North Face selling their own products or Patagonia selling their own products uh, at, you know, that are used online, like that's going to count for that pie, those numbers in the same way that like, hey, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to go on eBay and buy like shoes on eBay, but like I would definitely buy like a used jacket from Patagonia. So it's hard because we don't know exactly what these numbers are saying, but I think that the trend potentially is a good thing for us as resellers. And uh, again, what does that indicate? Again, it could indicate that the times are rough. It could also indicate that, um, you know, that we've talked about environmentally, people are, are have different opinions and views on how to, you know, help the earth and sustainability. And so part of that could be buying secondhand. Uh, so it could be that Gen Z generation, that's just a value of theirs that maybe their parents or grandparents didn't have. So that's going to affect those numbers. Uh, but it, it's tough because it's like, we see numbers like this, but then also you talk about, hey, my stores sales are so low that I have to basically sell things at half off in order to get sales, right? So you got to try and balance the, hey, look, we've got like 25% more people are buying secondhand. Also, my sales are down quite a bit unless I'm selling 50%. So it's like, you got to balance both of those things and find like, what's what's the real experience that resellers are feeling? No, it's true. It's true. It's true. And they did address the issue of inflation. They said a secondhand wallet share is increasing as inflation persists. Uh, 30% of, 37%, excuse me, of consumers spent a higher proportion on their apparel budget on secondhand uh, last year. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I do think, you know, the other thing I need to factor in is maybe my prices were too high, right? So I, I'm, just, I'm just one of many. But I will say, as of right now, and I've said this over and over again, we have full episodes about it, when you're sourcing, you got to keep costs low, right? Because maybe part of the trend is going to be that, you know, as economies dwindle <laughs> and there's less money to go around, people are going to be looking for better deals. And the only way to get better deals is to buy low, right? That's the only way to keep yourself in business and reselling. Because as, as, as prices go down, your prices of buying needs to be a lot cheaper. And so you got to make those, I, I've been saying this for a while, you got to make those outrageous offers, uh, you know, understand that everybody has the ability to look it up on a phone if they don't want. And you have the ability to get something for a great price that's going to help out your family. Then you got to do what you got to do. It's all business. And so I, I definitely believe that, you know, reselling as as the economy does get worse. If it does, I don't know, maybe we're in a new time where we end the, we end with uh, hyperinflation and everything's all good, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know historically historically uh, I do think in the next few months like things are going to get interesting and people are going to look for deals and I do think eBay sales will pick up as long as you have your cost low and you have your prices set in the right place. So there's more of the report if you want to look it up. Uh, I'll try to put a link below on the YouTube. Uh, the, a lot more of it was about sustainability and so on. Um, but you know, there's some interesting, here's, here's one more I want to share a uh, retailer expect resale to generate positive ROI and plan to increase their investment. 82% of retailers who offer resale expect resale to generate a positive ROI. So like you had said right now, even the retailers are getting to the reselling aspect of things. And so this tells me you have to be even more selective about what you source. You can't source those mall brands. You can't source, you know, that those fast fashion items that yeah, they do sell quick, right? They they sell fast. So you you pick them up, you sell them for 20, you make $5 on each. You know, you sell I don't know 60 of them and you're good for the day, but 
that's going to get harder and harder. You're going to have to find that vintage quality stuff, whether it be from toys to clothing, or you're going to have to find the work items that people aren't able to spend, you know, the full retail, but somehow you're able to find a way to get a discounted price and then sell it. So just some things to think about. Hey, before we move on, if you haven't checked out yet our Discord, uh, one way to do that or the only way to do that is uh, helping us out on Patreon, which seriously, for $5.55 a month, it, everyone who, who supports us makes a huge difference. And in that $5.55 a month, you know, it allows us, for example, to buy new equipment. Mike and I are actually going to have to buy quality equipment to make sure the podcast gets better and better uh, while, while we're away, get some great, you know, cameras if needed, lighting and so on. So anytime you help us out with the Patreon, it definitely helps us continue providing free content. So go on over to patreon.com slash podcast or go to the link below uh, and then sign up for $5.55 a month. And as a bonus, uh, you get to uh, join our Discord. And it's a great place, great place of thriving resellers, uh, very positive, very upbeat, very willing to help each other. And uh, it's just, it's been awesome. Again, I'm always learning uh, from the Discord every day. I learn more from the Discord, I believe, than I do when I'm on social media. So it's been definitely a benefit. All right, Mike. So uh, what do we got here for, uh, you know, things to keep an eye out for? Yeah, let me see if I got the the bolo sign. I still have the old one on here. Uh, I haven't added the new one yet. People like the um, old one though. It, it's, it's nostalgia, man. Nostalgia. nostalgia. All right, here we go. Bringing people back. So my bolo, uh, obviously, other than Aztec gear, which that didn't work out, sold some Aztec stuff. Uh, those of you who don't know, March Madness. The uh, I'm still selling Aztec stuff though. They, they made it pretty far, man. So that, that's that's a, a bonus one. Hopefully that wasn't yours in Orlando. Sorry. Uh, but my, my actual bolo, I like to kind of keep things uh, in line with whatever holiday is is nearby. And this is past now, but I think this applies for other holidays as well. Uh, and you've talked about blow molds before. Um, and this is something I've totally overlooked until we talked about it on the podcast. And I, I realized I kind of missed out on quite a few of these. Uh, and a lot of times when I think about them, I think of like the big, like three, four foot ones, like people have in front of their house, like, you know, a nativity set blow molds. Uh, but uh, with us just having Easter recently, um, I was kind of running into some of the blow molds that people have. And so I was doing some research and man, Easter bunny and Easter blow mold things actually do yeah. really well. Uh, and yeah. one of the brands, and I, I haven't done enough research to see, I'm sure this brand has for other holidays as well, uh, but Empire. So if you're looking at vintage Empire blow molds, and the nice thing is you can get some of these at like one to two foot range, which is much more reasonable when it comes to shipping. Like I can ship a one foot or an 18 inch or a, even a 24 inch blow mold. They're, they're relatively light. Uh, the packing you got to be a little bit careful with. Uh, but these, especially these vintage ones, even ones from the late nineties, early two thousands, they're going for, you know, over a hundred dollars sometimes, uh, for just a small little decoration. So if you're at a garage sale, you're at a thrift store, these are the types of things that I think a lot of people would look over. Most of the time, if I see Christmas decoration, I'm looking like I'm zoned in. Like, do I see department 56? Do I see Mr. Christmas? There's a couple of things I'm looking for, but like 99% of the time at garage sales, especially, or at estate sales, the holiday decorations are just kind of junk. And so you could quickly overlook things like blow molds if you're not paying attention. So it's a bolo, uh, whatever holiday it is, don't be afraid to look. And the reason I say uh, be on the lookout for it now is we're coming into the springtime, we're coming into summertime of people starting to do garage sales. And hey, we just had the holiday 
let's clean this out. We didn't really put it up. This is kind of whatever. And so people are going to start getting rid of that stuff. So now might be the time to buy uh, those items. No, agreed, agreed. And I want to go back to your ASIC stuff so people understand what we're talking about. San Diego State ASIC stuff. Now, yes, they didn't win the championship, but people are now going to buy for anticipation for next year. Right. And so maybe we're killing our own market here. But, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm still selling stuff. For example, Iowa Hawkeye stuff, uh, the, the women's NCAA uh, basketball championship. Uh, Caitlin Clark did more for NCAA women's basketball than has been done in years. And so they actually had to stop the purchasing of tickets because they were selling too fast for the upcoming season. So even Iowa Hawkeyes gear may may you blow up. So, you know, obviously sort selectively, but I do think, you know, whenever teams make it far, it's not the end. It's not like, oh, they didn't win the Super Bowl. I guess, you know, their stuff isn't valuable anymore. No, there's still an opportunity. I mean, 49ers stuff, you know, the Niners haven't <laughs> gone to the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl, but it's still highly signed, super expensive, super expensive. I want some of those jackets and I'm not willing to pay three to $400 on them. Okay. So, so yeah, definitely keep an eye on ch- championship uh, teams, whether it be NCAA, NFL, MLB, whatever it may be. There's definitely money there. Now, my bolo is, it's a weird one, discontinued Duplo. And, and the reason I say this is because lately I've come across discontinued Duplo and Duplo is like Lego, but for little kids, it's like the big clunky ones. And you don't think they're valuable, right? You're like, ah, oh, you know, there's no money in this. Uh, and so you might pass it up, but there's money. I remember back in the day I sold the, it was like a Wonder Woman one or something. New and sealed. I paid like 10 bucks at a Goodwill and sorry, I shall not be named. And I sold it for like 80 bucks. Um, this recently I picked up a Thomas the Train Duplo, uh, whole set and I parted it out and I, I paid, uh, 20 bucks for the whole thing. I sold a Thomas engine, uh, for 30. I sold Percy, who I guess is one of the other trains for another 20. I also sold, uh, these, uh, engine trains, uh, that they're just like little engines you can add to for, uh, $20 a piece. I sold the tracks. I sold this. I sold that. Uh, and for 20 bucks, I made easily over a hundred dollars. What didn't take much to, to take pictures, to list, to ship. And, you know, if you find them sealed, you never know because people are still looking even for those discontinued sets. Or maybe they, they have this set that meant a lot to them when they're a kid, or maybe their child really wants something and they ended up like, you know, getting it flushed down the toilet and they want to replace it and they're willing to look. And so definitely keep an eye. I know it's a weird one, but there is money there. And I think it easily gets uh, passed up. All right. So Mike, what are you looking forward to here? Oh man. Uh, that's a big question. Kind of loaded. Um, I, I would have said <laughs> doing taxes, but I'm done with my taxes. Well, nice. what? Good I for you. Game on you on that one. Um, I'm not even close. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I'll tell you what, like, I'm going to try and make this real quick. Um, I guess I'm, I'm looking forward to soaking up everything that, that uh, I still have to offer here um, and just kind of enjoying it. Looking forward to this move for as long as I have been. I feel like I've only thought about all the positives, like all of the positive things that are going to come from the move. And the reality is when you do that, you can almost become blinded to the reality of all the things you're going to lose, all the negatives. And so, so true, true. now I'm starting like to like hanging out with Orlando like all the time yeah, Not that man. we do, but I mean, you know, it's just what? different. Yeah, it's going to be different. And, and so I feel like now I'm really starting to mourn what I'm losing, uh, leaving here. And so I guess 
in order to be a little bit philosophical, what I'm what I'm looking forward to <laughs> is trying to just soak up and enjoy uh, this time here, even all the negatives that come along with being here, uh, the higher cost, the higher whatever, but just to, to soak up San Diego, get some more experiences here, and then uh, kind of end on a, a strong note. So, you know, I'm obviously trying to sell through a bunch of my inventory. I'm trying to uh, kind of prepare for a move. There's a whole lot of moving parts that come with that. So uh, it's it's a challenge. There's a lot of things to do, I'm trying to like uh, establish where I'm going to be moving, getting all of my, my job stuff taken care of. So there's a lot of moving parts, but also just trying to step back and say like, I'm going to enjoy this. Um, and, and I'm going to be realistic about what, what's about to happen. So yeah. What about you? Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying though. Like <laughs> it is, it, you know, it, anyways, I've always thought about moving out to California, but I'm going to stay, even though everyone I know is gone. Now, what am I looking forward to? Uh, more garages. There has to be, there, there has to be that moment where, you go and it's like garage sale on every corner, all kinds of deals. I have not filled up my car once in over a year. No, in a, yeah, in over a year now. It's been over a year. Last time was probably, probably early April last year. I had a, a hunting gear uh, haul. I paid $60 and I made like one or two K on that haul. And so I'm looking for those opportunities. I'm also looking to create more local deals. I'm finding that let's say garage sales do drop. Let's say, uh, you know, they just don't happen. I got to network. I got to figure it out because I'm honestly, I'm not getting as many calls as I used to. I used to like every two weeks get a text or a call from somebody that I dropped a business card and they would say, Hey, Orlando, uh, I sold you this one time. I have some more stuff. Come on by. I'm not getting as many of those. So I got to figure out, I got to figure out new ways to source. And I'm still in this whole, I have inventory all over the place. I had promised to you by the next time you show up that the podcast room would be cleared up and my other eBay room. And luckily you haven't showed up yet because you, we haven't been able to be in the same room. So it's giving me some time to, uh, to, you know, organize more. But the problem is this, this whole week threw me off. You know, I went, I went, you know, to the Midwest for a good week and I did nothing. And then I came back and I sourced some more. And then I source some more. And so I got stuff. I got to organize. I got a list. And I have not listed very much in a while. And so I need to take care of that. And then I need to just get on some kind of schedule and just make sure that uh, things are, you know, on par. I've noticed now that I have my kids full time that I don't have as much time to work on stuff as I used to. And that's going to require that I be very, I hate saying this word, disciplined uh, in my reselling business. Because if not, that's the other shoe that's going to drop and I'm going to be struggling. So I'm going to have to get on some kind of schedule now. I wasn't on before and I'm going to have to stick to that schedule in order to make the maximum amount of money in my reselling business and also spend the maximum amount of time with my kids. And so hopefully this whole episode was, you know, something that benefited everyone who listened, whether it be hearing our crazy stories, the bolos, the reselling topics. Appreciate you sticking with us. Uh, stay tuned for our next mini show that will be dropping on Monday and our future podcast. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. <laughs> and be reselling. Late. Peace.